Thanks for tuning in to Creative Outcomes. I'm Jimmy Balo from Upsourced. We're a CFO and accounting firm focused on helping creative agencies. I'm really excited to be here today with Steve Guberman from Agency Outsight. This is an agency coaching business um, where Steve helps agency owners build the agency of their dream. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me. How are you doing today? Jimmy, so good to be here with you. Thanks for having me. I am awesome. Awesome. Perfect. Um, well, Steve, I'd love to just kind of hear a little bit of your background. Um, obviously, like I know one of the things that I really wanted to kind of have this conversation and talk to you about um, is really just you have uh, a unique background being someone that had an agency, um, kind of built it up for the last like 10 years. You had an exit, you sold it, and then you went to work for an acquiring agency uh, that was but was there and it kind of had a little bit of a different service than you. Uh, you did that for a few years and then you went and worked in house at a corporate on the corporate side. Uh, and now you're an agency coach. Uh, and so I, I love the fact that you kind of have that, uh, that, that whole package there. Uh, and it's something that's really unique and something that we don't necessarily see all the time when we're talking to kind of agency owners. Uh, they have a few pieces of that. Um, and so, yeah, we'd love to just kind of have you share a little bit of your, your background and, and kind of l- let us know how you kind of got started. Yeah. So I'm a designer, I guess, by trade, if that's still a phrase that people use. But I went to school to be a designer. Uh, I, when I discovered graphic design at like the junior college that I went to, I fell in love with the idea that there's somebody that made this or designed this thing according to a set of principles. And, and I just I fell in love with it. And um, my first job out of school was in-house at Panasonic as a graphic designer. And I got to be a part of a, literally a, the, a global re- rebrand with working with Landor and some, some really big um, players in the space and did some really awesome and fun work and stressful work there. Um, I, when I left there, I worked for a couple of small agencies. And then um, my wife at the time and I decided we were going to move and I was freelancing like most, I think, designers do. I was doing the double job thing. And, um, and and it was like, hey, if we're moving, I'm going to take this agency full time because we're moving to the New York metropolitan area where the hourly rate is like double what it is down here by the beach. And so it just kind of made good sense. And at the same time, one of my clients called and was like, hey, we want to put you on retainer. So it just worked out perfectly. I launched my agency, ran it for a decade. Um, in that time, you know, like most businesses, hills and valleys, but always kind of an upward trajectory of growth of um, bigger clients, bigger profits, bigger teams, more fun. Um, but in the first handful of years, it was like, you know, I launched this thing because I wanted to design really great brands and I wanted to not work a ton so I could be with my kids and go to t-ball and the school play and make a ton of money. And and I'll reference that, you know later when I tell you like how I got into coaching, but I eventually sold the business surprisingly because a year prior, uh, I was, uh, going through like divorce process with my ex, my, my wife at the time. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm never selling this thing. I love this business. I love what I'm doing. I, I just, you're going to bury me in the studio. And, um, things changed like overnight, the wind shifted and I was like, I need to do something different. And so I pitched the agency to a few other businesses that didn't do what we did. So they were either a specialty package firm or they just did software dev, but they weren't doing branding and web design. Uh, 
traditional PR agencies. And I ended up selling to a traditional PR agency because we were just a really good complement to each other. Um, I had known these guys for a long time. We had shared clients together. They'd been in business for 30 years. They were just really good guys running a, a great PR shop. Um, and I spent five years with them and built out their creative and digital teams. And then right before pandemic, I said, I'm going to go back to corporate and spend the second half of my career on the brand side and retire out as a CMO. Uh, and a month into it, I was just like, why did I think corporate was going to be any different? I absolutely despise it. Um, my girlfriend was like, did you forget to look at the glass door reviews? Cause this place looks like a shit show. And it was the most toxic place I had ever stepped foot into. Um, and so I left there and, and started talking to agency owners through both interview process and friends that I had, uh, you know, that I knew that owned agencies and, um, it was either get a job working for an agency that needed a lot of fixing and spending 60 hours a week or so fixing them or build a business. And I didn't have the emotional bandwidth to commit to a 60 hour a week job. Um, and I knew that the entrepreneurial part of me said, you can build something and help a lot of agency owners and coaching just kind of called at me. And there were friends that were like, you know, we have some, some mutual friends in common that do this as well. And they were like, talk to this person and talk to that person. And I had friends that were coaches already. And I was like, yeah, I can do this. I've had coaches. I know what it means to help drive success for somebody else. And I know how to show up and I know how to be of service. And so I didn't know how to build a funnel for myself as a coach, but I knew how to build a funnel for an agency and didn't know how to price it, but I knew how to, you know, figure out what the market could bear. And so it just, it took off and I absolutely fell in love with what I'm hoping is the rest of my you know, professional career. So long answer, short question. That's how I got where we are today. Okay. Uh, no, I love it. I love it. No, I mean, there's, there's obviously a, a lot to, to unpack there. I think one of the things that like I, I, I'm intrigued by, and like one of the things like just kind of like backing up to like the sale of the agency, um, like obviously as you were shopping it around, like, like what did that process look like? Did you know that, did you have like a targeted list of like, Hey, here are the 10 agencies that I think would acquire my, my studio. And I know them personally, and I'm kind of, kind of put like a book together and send it over, um, with some confidential information, uh, and just kind of make sure that, um, I'm reaching out to those strategic buyers or did you, did you get a broker or, or what did that process look like just in terms of like, Hey, was it like super targeted or like, I guess, walk me through the mindset there. So there was a, a huge emotional shift that happened first where I said, I set my team down and I said, uh, so the backup is I'd finalized my divorce. We, we had lost our largest agency of record client. Um, we had, we were together for a year in the ninth month, they said, you're not a good fit. And we said, we're definitely not a good fit. And so we helped transition them out. But that resulted in me having to lay somebody off for the first time. And so I laid three people off. And so uh, between the layoff and the divorce, it kind of took the wind out of my sails. And like most owners, I was responsible for everybody eating. And I was responsible for biz dev and pipeline and just operations as a whole. And I and I just took the wind out of my sails. And I, and I don't know if I had stuck it out for an extra month if we would have pulled through it or if I had done something different but the the trajectory was I don't know that I want to keep doing this and I feel beat up and I feel like it's time for a change and so I offered my team I said to them I don't know what's next but I'm going to shop the agency around 
if you all want to figure out a way to keep it going, I will divest the agency to you. Um, but I need to figure out something different for me personally. How big was the agency at the time? Like when you were sort of in this position? We were 12. Um, we were, uh, you know, into seven figures. Um, the, the agency was running well. It was profitable. Um, we, we had, we carried no debt. Um, our biggest client was a considerable amount of that revenue. Um, and so when we lost them again, I had to let some people go. So, uh, after that, you know, we were six people again, uh, six or seven people. There weren't enough people that had any experience in running an agency to say, yeah, we should run this thing. Um, my most senior person was, was, were, were two of them were developers, maybe a project manager. Everybody else was kind of junior to mid. And so there was just nobody there with enough, you know, green, uh, uh, you know, enough tooth to be able to say, yeah, I can run this thing or we can keep it going or whatever. So I did shop it around. I, I knew enough people in, in the agency space to be able to be targeted and identify businesses that didn't do what we did. And not that we were the best at everything that we did, but we had process. We had pipeline. Uh, we had longevity with clients. We had some clients that were with us for the full decade. Um, you know, so there was a, a good set of numbers that I could bring to the table and say, you guys do this really well. We do this really well. Bring us along. And here's what I'm looking to get out of it. Um, so I pitched, uh, you know, literally sat down and invited nine different agency owners to pitch. Um, it was really stressful, really exciting. Um, I ended up getting three offers um, from three different agencies, which blew my mind because I didn't think that was going to be the case. And I don't know a lot of agencies that do this. Most of them do work with an M&A broker. Most of them or there's a relationship that says, hey, Susan, you should talk to Frank. You guys you would work well together. Um, I did. I had a buddy, uh, my, my friend Mike, who, who runs an agency not far from me. He and I would commiserate often, and we said we should just join forces. It would make things easier. But we were cut from the same cloth, both designer guys running agencies. It wasn't like he was an ops guy and I was a design guy or you know anything like that. So it, it, that didn't make sense. Looking for a compliment is what made sense. And knowing that I had things to bring to the table and I just wasn't looking for a bailout made the most sense. And so um, with the PR firm, you know, they made me what I thought was a really good offer. There wasn't a ton of negotiating. We didn't go back and forth with lawyers. It was a very friendly agreement and lawyers finalized the contracts to make sure nobody was getting robbed. So it was a smooth sale process. How how long did the process take from like when you first started reaching out to like those nine or 10 to when like things were finalized with the PR firm? Under a year. Um, I, want to, I want to say like nine or 10 months from like, I'm going to you know, shop this thing around and go on a road show to I was sitting at an, at a desk at, at the new agency. And along the way, like, are you, are you communicating with your team? Like, are you kind of bringing them along for the journey or is this all happening kind of without like with them knowing bits and pieces or like, I guess, talk to me about like the transparency or like sort of like what, what that looked like just in terms of the communication with the team. Uh, Cause I'm sure there was some uncertainty there where they're like, Oh, Oh land. Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> what is this going to look like a year from now? Yeah, I was very transparent with them. I met with them. Any movement, I let them know about. I wanted them to know that if they were part of the deal or if they wanted to be part of the deal or if they weren't part of the deal, like what that looked like. Um, 
in the end, uh, my entire team found new opportunities, which I was really grateful for, some not even in the space. Um, and so it opened new doors for them to be able to say, here's an opportunity for me to kind of reinvent what I want to do next or where I want to go. And so I'm grateful that none of them like fell destitute or anything like that. And they all found really great opportunities. But part of it was none of them wanted to go to a PR culture. And they and the the culture that we had was very much a, a fun minus the booze kind of madman style agency. And PR life is very, very different. None of them wanted to be a part of that. So when when it got down to it's going to be one of these two or three agencies, do you want to come? Do you want me to find a space for you? Um, the, the, the majority of the team did not want to go to a PR agency. So, but yeah, I was very transparent. Their well-being was like hot, hot priority for me. I didn't want to be like, all right, I'm selling you guys are beat. See you later. Uh, you know, good luck finding a new job. Like, I, you know, I, I helped them find jobs. I wrote them, you know, letters, uh, gave them, you know, whatever I could from a um, package or, you know, moving them along. So, um, you know, I think people at, you know, at any business are just the most valuable asset. So I really wanted to make sure I was taking care of them as best as I could. And I, I hope fast forward, you know, it's 10 years later, I hope their perspective is or was the same. You know, I, I'm still friendly with some of them, but I don't know for sure. And it's making me think I should, you know, check in and see how everybody's doing. Totally. So, okay. So you wound up, you, you sold to the PR firm. Um, my understanding just from some of the kind of the research, it was a, a two year earnout. Yeah, it was a two year contract. Um, there was, there was, a, you know, a base salary and, you know, I was uh, vice president of creative and digital services. And so senior leadership team, um, it was two owners and I think one or two people on the PR side that were on the senior leadership team and myself and um, the head of head of digital. So, you know, I was on the senior team and um, there was an upfront uh, piece of it and then the earnout over two years. Got it. Okay. Okay. Um, and then you stayed on after the earnout, you stayed on for a couple of years um, and then you decided to go in house and work on the, the corporate side. What kind of, what prompted that jump or like what made you decide like, okay, now is the right time, like for the second act, like you said earlier, to kind of go back in house? Yeah, there was two driving points. One was I didn't feel like I was doing the kind of creative that I wanted to be doing anymore. Um, the agency was very much focused on certain verticals that they weren't exciting to me. Um, it was still and still is to this day a very much a PR from that. By the way, we also happen to do creative. So like we would like the 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 owners would want to give away creative to win PR retainers, which I understand from a business standpoint fully. It makes sense. PR is massively profitable, but I just felt like I wasn't making the impact that I wanted to be making. So logically, it's like, oh, we'll go open another agency or go work for another creative shop or something. And I and I just didn't feel like the work that I had done up to that point was going to help me step to <clears throat> to a bigger standpoint. So I was like, I'm going to go to the brand side and spend the next 20 years on the brand side and then retire out as a CMO. And I was thinking of like the guy that, you know, there was, the, I worked very closely with the CMO at Panasonic for a number of years. And I remember when he retired out. And so there was people that I knew along the way in corporate that like that was their path and it seemed attractive. The grass was very green on that side of the fence. And I was like, that's, that's, that's a, a path I want to take. <clears throat> 
so I found like a, a $50 million tech company with that was very mission driven. A lot of what they were doing was helping people at or below the poverty line get technology into their homes. Um, they had a nonprofit arm. Um, so there, there was a lot of like mission driven things. And I knew I didn't want to like sell plastic cameras for Black Friday commodity crap anymore. Like I want to do something that was going to make a difference. And so, th so that was the driving point. It was, you know, I, I wanted to like figure out the path for the second half of my career, but I also didn't want to do what I was doing. And I felt like that was the, the, the right next move for me. Okay. Okay. And you said like, Hey, you were, you were there for right around like a year and you just ultimately decided like, Hey, like the corporate environment and <laughs> uh, it just, it wasn't like what I want to be doing and kind of where I want to invest my time and where I think that like my, my skill set is best suited or what kind of ultimately made you decide to kind of end that? Yeah. So, um, I guess a couple of things. The first is I, you know, I joined there in, in January of 2020, um, February of 2020, my family went through a, a real life changing tragedy and, and the, the organization was very supportive of me. And so I felt like there was a connection there, but from a business standpoint, the autonomy that I was promised, the, you know, I, I, I was promised full run of the brand, the market, the message, digital properties, inbound, outbound sales. A lot of it was over my head, but I was willing to jump in and figure it out. Um, that autonomy was, was a complete illusion. Um, and the CEO micromanaged every aspect of the business in a very toxic way. It was very abusive to a lot of people. So while they, they took very good care of me in a time that I, I needed kind of to be taken with kid gloves, when it was time to get back to work, I wasn't able to get work done. Um, and I, and I knew that I was not going to spend time in a, ta in a toxic environment. And there was people that had spent years just enduring it. I was like, life's too short. I can't deal with this kind of world and nobody should, should have to, um, whether it's 20 hours or 60 hours or anything in between in a week, like our own, our own individual mental healths are so valuable and so important. Nobody should be able to abuse that. And that's what was going on there. And then we had also gotten into COVID. And so, you know, mental health explosions of we're all trying to figure out how to survive the world. So, yeah, I left there with nothing else lined up. And I left there just knowing that I needed to take care of me. And the decision was, let's go spend time in the garden as opposed to spend time, you know, working for an environment that's tearing you down. Um, so I, I felt confident in that decision. and I was not worried about what was going to be on the other side of that door. I knew that by by doing like the virtuous thing and taking care of me, I'd be taken care of on the other side. And so it worked out beautifully. Totally. Totally. Okay. How was, how was kind of starting, like, as you sort of transitioned um, into like your coaching practice and sort of becoming this consultant, how was sort of starting that in COVID? Like, was, I'm sure, I'm sure that must've like presented its own set of challenges there. It did in that, I'm a face-to-face -face guy. I'm a very social guy. I want to meet people. Um, so I, you know, and I was trapped in my home with, with my son and occasionally my girlfriend. And so like I was starving for energy and people and hugs and whatever. And so, so I felt very deprived of that, but I knew that the industry that we were in, most agencies didn't really crash and burn during COVID. Most of them that weren't deeply niched in travel, tourism, in-person events, um, they they exploded and were trying to figure things out. And so a lot of them were going at it blind and they needed help. 
So I felt confident that I'd be able to bring some support to the table and help them navigate it. But I didn't know necessarily how to be a coach yet. So I was, you know, helping them figure out how to build the plane while they were flying it while I was also doing the same. Um, so I, you know, many of my like first year, 18 months, like biz dev calls were like, yeah, I'm the idiot that starts a business during COVID. Let's do some work together, you know, and uh, what else would you do during COVID? Let's launch a new business. Why not? Turns out it wasn't that unique. Six million businesses were registered in the United States in the first two years of COVID. Now, registered businesses, anybody that opens an LLC is six million people. So there was a lot of us. I guess sort of shifting gears a little bit, like walk me through like the coaching practice today and like who are like, what's sort of like the, the agencies that, that you're working with and as agencies are kind of reaching out and trying to figure out like, hey, is this the right time to make an investment in sort of like working with Steve as, as a coach? Uh, what are you looking for? What should they be looking for? Um, what's kind of like the, the, the right fit there? So I'll, I'll start that by saying that like when I owned my agency, I thought we were doing really good. And by really good, um, we had a bunch of clients. We enjoyed the work we were doing. We were making money. There were very few payroll cycles that I was like losing sleep over. Um, there were some, but very few. When I engaged with a coach and jumped into a mastermind group, not not just of agency owners, we were it was all different kinds of businesses, and I worked one on one with the coach. My agency matured in a way that I jokingly called like our bar, our bar mitzvah phase, where I knew how to help my team grow. I knew how to help my team um, have the right seats and and know what their roles were, and even move people around. I had a designer who she was a better project manager than she was a designer and was able to help mold her into that role. Um, 10 years later, she's still on the project management side of the world and doing really great. Um, we learned how to build better contracts and agreements with clients. We learned how to niche down and the importance of that. So like all these things that all the books say to do, I was just flying by the seat of my pants trying to be a designer, not being a business owner. And so I had to like follow the words of Jay-Z and be a business man, not a businessman. And, uh, and, and so, so that's the, 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 the types of agency I, I work with, they are sub 70 or so employees because I don't have experience with holding companies and I don't have experience with hundred plus agencies. And I don't want to pretend to help somebody in a space that I don't have experience. Um, there are agencies that are not crashing and burning cause I don't ever want to be the last check somebody writes. I want to help people that are on that are growing that are that are you know exploding turn that into a healthy scale i want to help them have better work-life balances and maybe work less and make more i want to help them feel the um relief before payroll and not the stress before payroll and help them manage their money better um, i want to help them break in into the niches that they think they should be in or are afraid to break into um, so it's agencies that are doing what they think is well, but man, they can be doing so much better. Um, and putting processes in place so that things are kind of flywheel-ish, whether it's biz dev or you know project management or managing their team. Um, so they're, they're, I guess they're on the smaller side, zero to 50 or 60 employees. Um, my, Like I said, my delusion was I'm going to launch this agency. I'm going to design really great brands. I'm not going to work a ton and I'm going to make a lot of money. Like I envisioned like you know, popping in from 10 to two and driving a Porsche or something like that. Like, you know, 
not to knock it. I drove a Honda and I worked 60, 70 hours a week and everything was inverted. And so that's a lot of times the pain that I talk to owners about. They're like, I'm working too much. I can't seem to get my head above water. Like, yeah, I'm making some money, but like if my wife, you know, didn't have her job or my partner didn't have their job, like we'd be screwed. Or like, you know, if we lose one client, oh my God, we're whatever. Like you're so close to having that magic thing going. Let's work together to get there. Oh, definitely. I guess, I guess like one, one follow-up that I had that, that you just mentioned a, a few minutes ago was just around when you ran the agency and you kind of had your, as you sort of phrased it, your bar, bar mitzvah moment. Um, like what, what about that? Like sort of like unpack that a little bit for me. Was it, Hey, I'm surrounding myself with, with people who have been running their business for 10 years, 15 years and they have a lot of lessons learned and they're kind of sharing those with me. So I'm able to kind of like fast forward through some of those steps a little bit faster than they did or what kind of allowed you to sort of like level up um, your business and just kind of the way that you are running your agency. A lot of it was mindset. Um, going from being a, what's the word, like a tacticianer to a strategist almost, or going from being like the client saying, do this in red and use this font and have it by Friday versus us saying, here's what we think you should do. And here's why, and here's the research to back it up. And here's what it'll look like. And here's when we'll have it done for you. The mindset in the group or in the mastermind group was you can run a business and act as a partner, as opposed to being told what to do by the people that hired you. And there, and that's a relationship thing. And so I didn't join a group of people that knew how to run an agency, but they knew how to run a business, you know, and, and they turned me on to books like, like, um, Built to Sell and the E-Myth, um, um, probably a few others I just can't remember. And, and you know, help me understand that, like, when I give my team the tools, they believe in the success of the agency and the better we can manage our clients and our pipeline and everything gets healthier, the, the better their jobs are. So, like, like, how many times have you seen an agency say, yeah, we've got, like, a limit of three rounds of revisions in our proposal, but we're on revision 10 and we haven't charged out of scope yet? I mean, that was our every day. And it was like, no, that's, we're losing money. When we break process, you're losing money. So how do we stick to process and not look like we're chintzing over, you know, $50 because we had to add a period or something, you know, whatever it was. So it, it, it just gave us the confidence that like, we are a business. We're not just pixel monkeys that are like moving things around with our clients leaning over us saying, do this, do that. And it, it, so, yeah, that, I think that was really the big, kind of change of mindset for us. Um, I, I think in the in the mastermind group, I I brought more as the marketing guy than the landscaper and the lawyer and the real estate guy. And and that was okay because I, I you know we all contributed. But being on a board of successful businesses gave me the mindset that we're also a su successful business, not just a bunch of kids making pretty pictures. Exactly. Exactly. As you're as you're kind of working with owners today like are there like one of the things you mentioned was sort of like building those systems those repeatable systems are there whether it's the sales pipeline or client concentration or are there certain ones that like hey we really kind of we should tackle these first or as you're kind of coming in and working with an agency at the very beginning what do you look for or are there certain sort of like things that you kind of like to unpack initially um where you're like hey 
these are the two or three things that I think really make a successful agency. And we need to kind of make sure that we get the foundation right before we work on other items. I guess it depends. So when I work one-on-one with agency leaders, um, the discovery process dictates where we go and they prioritize the goals and the challenges that we pull out of that discovery process. It's not my words. I don't know where it came from. It's just what I've kind of um, distilled it all down to. um, And I love alliteration. So, so I think almost all challenges in a business result in five P's. So it's people process pricing, positioning, and then the personal balance with the, the leaders and the business. And that personal balance is like, I thought I was going to work 40 hours. I'm working 60 hours. I'm not getting paid, that kind of stuff. So, the, you know, we'll, we'll dig into anything. But if we distill it all down to are, are the peop, you know, people, are the right people in the right seats? You know, do you have the right um, team? Are you building up a junior bench? Are you too top heavy? Is that where all your profit's going? If it is, why are you not charging amounts, the right amounts? So and then it's pricing. Um, so as far as systems, you know, you could build systems around any of those things that work really well. Um, but the priority is, is typically dictated by what comes out of that discovery process in the groups that, that I, I get to facilitate. What the leaders bring to the table of their current and pressing challenge is how we can also like advise like, yeah, you, you know, let's work better on, you know, uh, building a system for business development or onboarding or offboarding or, you know, um, why do you keep onboarding clients more than once when you should have that systematized in some sort of a, pr- a process? So, um, yeah, I, I believe in systems. They save time, they save money, they, they give efficiencies. Um, like I said, that's where profitability goes out the windows when you break system, you break process. Um, yeah. Do you, do you have like one of the things that, that you just said that really kind of stuck out to me that that I see a lot and that, that I think is the most challenging is that that personal that personal balance like do you have any like I think that there we talk to so many owners and we work with so many agency owners where that's that's a constant struggle where like so much of like their identity and so much of like who they are as a human is wrapped up in the agency and in the business do you have any sort of like best practices or do you have anything like as you're kind of like working through that and just kind of unpacking that mindset is there anything that like could help someone listening or help an, an owner that may be kind of like struggling with that personal balance right now yeah i mean so for me it was it was like just delegate let somebody else do it and trust that they're going to do their job right so why am i in asana when i'm not the project manager i hired a project manager let them do it uh, oh well it's it, it's quicker and easier for me to just do it yeah, but if I spend five minutes doing it and they spend 20 minutes doing it, that difference, the variance of that 15 minutes is an investment in them doing it forever and me never touching it again. You know, and so so hands off delegating. I think leaders, entrepreneurs, especially in the creative space, have a really tough time of letting go. Like we're, we are perfectionists typically in nature. And so, you know, and again, I don't know what book I read it in, but perfection is the enemy of done. Like. What I think is is 80%, a client is probably thinking is 100%. Do you know what I mean? And so noodling over that little thing, let it go. It's it's probably really freaking good, man. Let somebody else do it and let them noodle over it. Um, so yeah, delegate, it, you know, that's one of the ex- exercises that I probably do the most with clients. Make a list of the things that you do on a day-to-day. 
and, and then break that down into what can somebody else do for you? Like, where's your time best spent? And let's not say you've got 60 hours a week. Let's say you've got 35 hours a week because maybe you want to you know, ride your bike or play with your kids or whatever. Um, what are the things that you can get off your plate and pay somebody else to do? Or of the team of talented, brilliant people you already have, what would they happily champion for you? Because you're trusting them to do these follow-up calls or, or handle this thing with a client or go do a pre-press for you. Like, oh my God, you don't need to be the only one doing a pre-press because your name's on the door. You know, do people do pre-press checks anymore? I don't know, but yeah. No, I mean, I think nowadays with with Slack and constantly being plugged in and like having everything on your phone and constantly trying to be connected, especially in whether it's an accounting firm or a creative agency, like the service type businesses, um, it can be really hard to sort of like turn it off um, and create that separation. Um, and so, no, I think that obviously like sort of giving up some of that control and delegating and just kind of empowering and trusting the, the people that you have around you um, who may bring a fresh perspective makes a hundred, like makes a lot of sense. Um, so I, I know we kind of briefly touched on it, but I would love to sort of circle back. Um, one of the things that I'm a big believer in, and I, I know that you are as well, um, is um, communities and, and mastermind groups. And I know that you're, you're kind of in the process of um, beginning to kind of launch one. And I think the thing that I love about Sounding Board, uh, the mastermind that, that you're in the process of, of beginning to kind of launch, is that it's not only for agency owners, but it's also for members of the leadership team of an agency. And I think that that's one of the things that I think is really unique and something that I think is really special about that group um, is that there are so many groups like EO and Vistage that are targeted at, hey, do you have equity in a business and are you the founding partner? Um, okay, if so, come and be a part of this group. And I love that. And there's a space for that. But I think that as, as somebody that's a, a part of a leadership team and somebody that that doesn't own equity and, and wants to still contribute and wants to kind of make the organization better, I think that kind of creating a community and a space for that uh, is really special. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I mentioned the mastermind group that I was part of as an agency owner. And so when I jumped into coaching, I knew that a close second to one-on-one -on -one coaching, for some reason, I thought one-on-one -on -one coaching was going to be the fastest way to start earning a living doing this. And so it worked out great. And soon thereafter, um, I launched this in, Octo in October, July, I had launched my first mastermind group and I call it sounding board. Um, the first two groups that I, that I get to facilitate are agency owners. One of them is primarily solopreneurs. Um, the other one is agency owners that are, I guess, 10 or 12 to about 45 FTEs. Um, it's a great formula. They meet once a month. We do a lot with EOS accountability and goal setting. Um, they've got a Slack channel to kind of continue the, the conversation in between meetings. And I make myself available in between meetings. And if they want to dig into numbers or want to talk about a whatever, you know, RFP or what do you think of this? One of the things that came out in Q4 last year was all these other leadership roles that don't get the support that they need to better support the CEO or the visionary of the business. And so if the CEO is or the owner or founder, or whatever you want to call them, is setting the vision and saying, here's where we're going to be in two years or in five years. How do we get there? And the leadership team is supposed to support that because they've got a vested interest, whether they have equity or not, they have a vested interest in the growth, the health, the stability of the company. 
are they getting the support that they need? So the group that you mentioned, this will be the third or fourth um, sounding board group that I'm launching, and it'll be for second in commands and COOs and VPs of ops and people of that um, nature, that title, to give them the support that they need and the tools that they need from people that are in the same seats as them at other agencies to better support their CEO or, or their you know, top management. Um, because I think there's a missing link. And, and listen, Bureau of Digital has really awesome um, summits, and I'm not you know, throwing shade on any other organization that provides support for these. But I, I, I see that there's a lot more needed there, and I feel like I can definitely help with the experience that I have. And bringing people together that are like-minded and driven to support one another. Um, I didn't know it was called this until recently, but I, I've always said, I don't want you sharing your opinion. Talk about experiences that you have that either worked or didn't work, but only lived experiences it's called Gestalt. It's a school of psychology. Um, somebody from Bureau mentioned that in, in one of our group calls. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that was called. That's an important element here because I don't, anybody's got an opinion, but I want to know what have you done? What has worked? What has not worked? What tools have you implemented? What have you, you know, experienced that we can share as lived experiences to help other people thrive in their roles. And by owners investing in that for their senior leadership team, it only helps them further drive their visions home for the overall agency. So, yeah, I, I love it. No, no, I think I think that's amazing. And um, I think it's cool that you're kind of creating a, a space for that and, and definitely like see, I agree, I see a need for that and something that I think that a lot of agencies can benefit from. Um, so I know I, I obviously want to be respectful of your time. Um, I know that, okay, amazing. Um, are you up for a little bit of like a, a rapid round? Um, just kind of like a, a few short questions. Um, okay, so as a, a former agency owner, um, what's like one piece of advice that you wish you had or you, you know now that you wish someone would have given you back then? Uh, I guess I'll throw two. One is always listen to your gut. Um, you know, like there's easily a handful of clients, you know, that were like, ah, this doesn't feel right, but let's do it anyway. We, we need the money or, you know, and, and almost every agency certainly goes through the phase of we'll take every client we, we can get because we're building a book of business. And we need to keep the lights on. Great. I'm all for that. But at some point listening to the gut and saying, let's not take this client and leave room for the right client that is going to come along and trust that, you know, if we do the work, the right client is going to come along. So trusting your gut, I think it is really important. Um, the second one is, is, you know, processes are scalable. People are not. So build the processes, start, start with that. It's never too soon to build, you know, scalable systems for anything, everything that you do. Okay. Awesome. No, I think that's, that's great advice. And, um, it, it's always good to hear. Um, next question is, uh, my, I'm, I'm personally like a, a huge fan of, of podcasts and do a lot of like learning and just kind of like, um, whether I'm walking the dog or whether I'm just doing something uh, on my computer, it's always nice. Like I always have my, my AirPods in and I'm always constantly listening to, to podcasts besides bite-sized agency briefs. Uh, what is one podcast that you are listening to right now or really enjoying, whether it's for business or pleasure? Just one. Wow. I jump around a lot. Um, the one I'm really into because I want to be him when I grow up, I'm listening to two bobs, which is, um, um, David C. Baker, who I, I just admire him so much. Um, I'm a big fanboy of his, uh, hope to meet him one day in person. 
Um, and so it's him and Blair ends. And I just think the two of them together have an immense amount of agency knowledge. So that's work related. And there's one. Yeah. Yep. Love it. Love it. Well, Steve, thank you so much for the time today. Um, if, if people want to reach out and just kind of learn more just about your, your coaching practice or the mastermind groups, like where's the best place to send them? Um, I'll give you my phone number. Text me. No, uh, find me on LinkedIn or uh, agencyoutsite.com. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for the time today. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate you.